All right. What's up, all you rad dads? This is episode eight, and I've got a special interview for you guys. So the big question is this. How do regular dads like us who weren't given a playbook on parenting, who only have 24 hours in a day to make it all happen, how do we provide for our families in a way that will allow us to raise happy, successful children and have a thriving marriage while still being a man and doing the things we love? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is Rad Dad Secrets. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I told you I have a very special interview, and that we do. And the man that we are interviewing today happens to be a totally rad dad, and not just that, he happens to be the biggest hero in my life, and it's my dad. And I was lucky enough and blessed to have a dad that was as amazing as him that taught me everything, that guided me, married an awesome woman, took good care of her. There's four kids. The best part, he has a huge story because he had no example. And he did this completely on his own and completely, I marvel at what he has done. And it's something I think we can all glean from his wisdom and what he has done. And uh, I want to introduce to you guys, my dad, he's a chiropractor, inspired me to be a chiropractor, Dr. William Wagnon. Welcome, Dad. Thank you, bud. So let's jump right into this. So give us a brief history. Where, where'd you come from? What, what made you decide to be a father? Give us your story. I'll start off fairly brief because I, I, I know as we go through, other things will pop into my head. But I grew up without a dad, basically. I, uh, my father left when I was seven years old. Never saw him again until I was 39 and uh, didn't get a Christmas card or not a word from him. And so... Didn't know how to be a father, really, uh, but I did know what not to do. And, you know, and after I met your mother, uh, I knew that she was absolutely gorgeous. In fact, I could take take you to the place where I first met her. And I remember she was driving a, a light blue Volvo, but I knew she was beautiful. She's kind. She's sweet. As I got to know her, I realized that she'd be a, a fantastic wife and a fantastic mother. and She could help me learn what I needed to do, but she could pick up where I was faltering, which I knew there was going to be places. Yes. I've heard that story many times. I love it. I wish we can go into more detail on that, but what were you hoping? I mean, I know you, you didn't have a father to give you the example and you met my mom and she was awesome. You knew that she'd be kind of the yin and the yang. She'd be able to balance out and and help you along in, in those ways. And I know you guys have worked together and it's, I've been married 15 years now and I know it's no easy road and parenting and all of that. But when, when you got married, what were you hoping to be able to accomplish the most as a dad? And before you had kids, what, going into that, what were you hoping or wanting to accomplish? I wanted my children to know who their dad was, what and where he was at all times. And, and uh, I wanted them to know that I love them with all my heart as much as I could possibly love anything. But I wasn't sure. I was kind of afraid. You know, I had some some external struggles uh, and trials to, to go through. And much like everyone who first gets married, I was 23 years old and your mother turned 21 four days after, we, uh, three days after we got married. And, and uh, I can struggle with a lot of things, you know, making money, how to support, going to school at the same time, always held down a job, how to pay the rent, uncertainty of you know, how to provide for me and my wife and the struggle of possibly bringing children in, which we knew we'd do sometime. So it was kind of a gamble on my part and not having that example. But the internal struggle that I had 
I honestly didn't know what kind of father I could be or would be. You know, I, I told you my father left when I was young, but my mother married five or six more times uh, while I was growing up, and one lasted a whole three weeks. And oh, I so I didn't really have, yeah, I didn't really have a male role model to, to go by. So I had a massive amount of hope, and, and I also had some fear that I that I would turn out like my father. So I tried to do everything opposite of what he did or didn't do. You know, it's interesting because people can take the experiences they have and they can go one of two directions with it. I got to see all the things that you did correctly and I get to model so many of those in my own family. And, and here you had the same, you didn't have a dad to model anything after, but you knew that he was gone. And, and instead of following his example, you were able to take that and say, you know what? No, actually, I'm going to choose. I'm going to use my agency and make the decision to do it different. And that you absolutely did. And I was there for the whole thing. So I can guarantee that you were there. Yeah. So, so you started having kids. Well, I mean, there's four of us all together, but you started having these kids. And after, you know, my oldest is 14 now. I know there's frustrating moments. There's challenging moments pretty much on a daily basis. What was the hardest or most frustrating challenge that, that you faced as a dad? A time maybe where you felt hopeless, anything like that? Well, I had three daughters and a son, and they were perfect. Angels never had a problem, Eric. Well, no, I'm one I'm of just them. Kidding. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do remember there was a time in junior high school that you, your sister had a plan on killing you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn, I didn't learn that. Us. I didn't learn that until just like a couple of years ago, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she told us. Anyhow, she told us a long time ago that she was serious, but you know, obviously she didn't carry through and I'm glad. But uh, anyhow, th- there's a couple of occasions where I really felt hopeless that, you know, that, I, that was the hardest and frustrating and challenges and everything else. And, and uh, one was when, you know, your sister uh, developed stage four cancer. Yeah, and there was nothing that I could do but support her and her family. Uh, well, she came; they came and lived with us for their treatment, uh, and to pray that she would live. You know, then I felt hopeless again when she got addicted to the opiates that she had to take for the severe pains that she was experiencing. Mm-hmm. So that was a, another trial in itself, and you know, times that I felt hopeless and 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 the hardest things for me to to handle as a dad, the possibility of losing a child, which I know that you know what that feels like. And I didn't want to feel that, but I felt like we were going to lose her because, you know, stage four cancer is something that you don't survive a lot of times. Yeah. So yeah, we had the, the tears and the prayers and everything else that go along with it. That was a long, dark road, man. If any of you dads out there have experienced that, I mean, it's, it's definitely rough. And the thing that I'm learning is whether it's, cancer, whether it's losing a child, whether it's severe illness or uh, severe handicaps, whatever it may be, at, at one point or another, we're all going to face something challenging or difficult like that. And, and just, like, just like the way you saw your dad and you made that decision to do the opposite of what he did to be able to be a rad dad, in situations like this where things get hard, they get dark, and they're going to. I mean, don't doubt that. If you've had a peachy ride so far, it's, there's going to be some, some bumpy roads along the way, and that is what smooths us out. That is what helps us become bigger and better than we are, but it also depends on how we accept those challenges, how we react or respond, better put, to those challenges. So when you're going through those hard times, I mean, you can 
you know, duck cover and run from them, or you can take those internalized and you can really learn from them. So what were you able to learn going through that tough time where she had the stage four cancer and going through addiction, all of that? What did you learn from that? Well, you know, the several things, but the, the main thing that I learned is that I had to realize that I had to let go and let God, because when I physically could not do anything, I had to let God take over. And uh, with her cancer and, and the addiction that she had afterwards, I, there's nothing I could do. But I knew God was there and I had to accept his work and his hand and all of this. I realized that I helped Linda raise a beautiful, beautiful daughter. And uh, now I had to prepare to either lose her and, and rely on Father in Heaven on the strength to accept his will. And so that those are the things that got me through this, you know, and plus the support that you, you know, you and your sisters gave for, for your other sister. So what, I mean, what were some of the things going through this? What were some of the things that, that you did, some steps you took to, and whatever it was, I know you just mentioned, you know, you had to turn to God, but what were some of the things you did that helped you through this, help you through those dark times? Cause I know when, when I went through, when I went through my dark phase after we lost our, our son, it was, it was tough. And there were certain things I did along the way that helped me through those dark times. Cause you can't go around them. You can't avoid them. And, and you don't want to numb yourself to them. You have to work through it. So what, what did you do? What were some of the things, some of the steps you took to get through that particular challenge? Well, like I said, I, I prayed a lot and I, I received blessings from elders in the church as my wife and, and your sister did. And, and the cancer was, was cured, which was a miracle for us. But another large portion was yet to be faced, and that was with the addiction. And we had learned that she was pregnant when we found out that she was uh, taking other drugs when they were trying to wean her off the opiates. She found other ways to, to supplement those. And so realized that she was with twins, wanted to, wanted to know what we were going to do. And I, I said, that, you know, we got to do something. We just can't sit here and let a baby be born with one eye or or something going on because we sat down and knew this and didn't do anything. So we hired an interventionist. Uh, They didn't go well. She didn't, she wouldn't go into rehab, although we had a place for her and her two little boys that she had already to go in. And uh, so she left and we didn't talk to her for three years. It was three long years. Mm -hmm. But today she's clean and sober and and we have our loving daughter back and, and uh, the Lord provided and, you know, just pray and you hope and, and uh, that th- things turn out well. And anyhow, it did for us, but still, it doesn't negate the three years of not talking to her, wondering if she was under a bridge someplace and, and sleeping in the cold and they moved up to Washington. And so we had no way of seeing her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, not, not, no, not knowing is one of the toughest places to be and your mind can really start to wander and and take you down different paths and, and do different things. So yeah, we're working through that is definitely tough. And it was definitely a great thing when we were able to get back in contact and actually see her and speak with her and the struggles we go through, man, going through them, it's so hard and it can be so dark, but know that all the struggles at one point or another do come to an end in one way or another. There's, there's always hope at the end of those. And it turned out, you know, great in this way. So how going through this challenge, and again, I mentioned earlier, these challenges, 
they smooth us, right? They're rough for a reason. They smooth us and make us better. But what, what do you feel? How has it impacted you? How has it impacted your family, yourself? What have you learned? How have you grown? What have you taken from this experience? Well, the one thing I, I took from the experience is that don't let one thing take over your whole life. And, you know, it was a difficult time to devote to my wife and the other children. And, and we almost neglected you guys in the struggle to keep her alive and taking care of her. And, and so that was hard. What was but, interesting, and not, not to cut you off, but I just did. Yeah. But you're my dad. I can do that. But what's interesting saying that is I remember going through this experience, and there were moments where I did feel neglected. Being in the moment, it was confusing to me. I was like, wait, no, but what about me? What about me? And it was, it was almost borderline selfish. And now that we're several years down the road, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, what would, what would anybody do in that situation? If you're, you're at the beach, all of your kids are sitting up on the beach with you, and then you see one that's out in the ocean and she's starting to drown or he's starting to drown, do you sit there and pay attention to your kids on the beach and say, oh, well, I, I got to pay attention to you too. So um, let me, I'll go out and help a little bit and then I'll come back. I mean, you don't, you go out there and you do your best to save that child from drowning. And, and I realize now looking back at that, that's exactly what you guys were doing. And I can appreciate that, you know, going through these trials, you, you don't always see completely clearly, but the key is to continue to, to move forward, have faith in God and, and keep going. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but wanted to just throw that analogy in there. You know, there's and a lot of things, there's just no easy fix for some things, but there's always love. And you got to count on that and look at your children, look at the blessings that are around you. And I know that it, it's hard to see the blessings sometimes. And it, it's easy to see the curses. Everybody, you know, if you talk about what the negative happened today, you'd probably list a bunch of things. But what are the great things that happened? Sometimes people go, ah, gee, I don't know. You know, sometimes it, the blessings are hard to see. But we got to look for the blessing because there's a blessing behind everything but it may not be for us. It might be for another child. It might be for a neighbor. It might be for somebody else that, that uh, something we're going through would benefit somebody else, but there's always a blessing. And, uh, but anyhow, what I've learned is that, you know, if you don't hurt, you don't love. And uh, it's impossible to hurt if you didn't love. And without difficulties, you never would grow. You know, if everything was peachy in our lives, uh, it, life would be pretty boring. There'd be no excitement out of it. You know, when you get in, in uh, difficult times and you work your way out, you feel proud, you feel happy, you just feel the great sense of joy and, and you, you keep working forward. So difficulties are a necessity, you know, and, and uh, even Adam and Eve had their difficulties, got kicked out. Dad kicked them out of the house, you know, and, and uh, but they, they learned real quick, didn't they? Right. And uh, yeah. So, you know, seek out the good things. And love is one thing that you can split and split and split and split. And you're always best with more, blessed with more than you ever gave away. Yeah. So yeah, I, always, I always say the way to get love is to give love. That's awesome. And, and truly trials and challenges do give us depth. And while it's tough when you're going through them, it, it really is worth it to, to persevere and have faith and, and move forward. And I know with, with my kids, it's a challenge all the time. Every day is a challenge. But I, you know, just tonight I was, I was talking with Jackie and we were just talking about each one of our kids and, and we kind of shed some tears and we're just like, man, they're so amazing. And, and what we've gone through and where we're at now, it's amazing. And, and I, you know, can't say that every day. Some days it's, <laughs> it doesn't feel so amazing. 
but it, it truly, truly is. And, and who it helps you become by having these children, by being a dad, there's no greater b- blessing in life, in, in my opinion. Um, so let's move on to a couple little bonus questions here, dad. So if, well, just, just for a second, oh, yeah, go though, ahead. I just, I just, just wanted to go out and, and let everybody know that a lot of those tribulations are gone and, and pa- in the past now, but things can rear up again and will certainly will. You, you've got to count on something happening, something in your life. But I'll tell you, our family is one of love, laughter. When I get all four of you guys together, it is just so much fun. And the, the respect and adoration and the thankfulness we have for each other and, and what we share. But I give most credit to my wife. You know, I just think to help me be a father physically and a dad lovingly. She she taught me how to, to raise the children. And uh, I'll tell you, she's the backbone of our family. And our other daughter, our oldest daughter, Krista, who has the devil's sense of humor, is the kind of the glue. Me. Yeah, the one who wanted to kill you. She's kind of the glue. Mom's a backbone and, and Krista could be the glue. And, and so the, the family all works together and uh, I can't take all the credit being a rad dad or anything like that. It's just, it's everything together, but focusing on the children is all I ever wanted to do. I'd rather be home and be with my kids. Everybody had dinner. Everybody's home for dinner. Yeah. You know, and, and around the table. Yeah. Everybody was home for dinner. One thing, what happens after midnight, Eric? Nothing good. That's right. <laughs> I don't remember which one of you. I don't remember which one of you, you know, because I'd always say nothing good happens after midnight. And one of one of you guys wanted to stay out and said, get the newspaper. And it brought the newspaper. And I said, open it up and show me one good thing that happens after midnight and you can stay out. And I go, whatever, and turn around and walk away. Because there's nothing good that happens after midnight. I, I was and, a perfect uh, child. I never went out after midnight. No. <laughs> no. Nobody uh, wanted you around <laughs> I wasn't cool enough. So, so now let's go, let's go to a couple bonus questions here. If you could go back and have a daddy do over and change one, two, maybe three things, whatever, whatever comes to mind, what would you change about fatherhood? Something you did or or ways, what would you change about how you raised us? Well, you know, I would take the kids on more vacations. I just think that those are the things we're going to remember. And, and you get a bigger education out of a vacation anyhow than you do sitting at home and uh, that. And, and uh, you guys would remember more times like that. So I'd encourage anybody if, as much as they financially and physically can to do as much with their children as I can possibly do because they're not going to remember the night they sat down and watched Funniest Home Videos together. They're going to remember when they went to Yosemite or to the beach or the mountain or anything. You're going to recall those things much more fondly. And uh, so true, yeah. so true, and, and and even more so now with the way social media, the me, I mean, TV, and it's crazy. I mean, we get you know family get-togethers or not even just get-togethers in general, and people are just sitting on their phone, scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, and doing all that, and really putting those away, like you're saying, and take that, go on more vacations, spend that time, disconnect from that stuff and truly be with your family. That's where the memories are made. That's, that's where it's at. And you know, one thing, um, I was a bishop in the church at one point and, and, uh, we had brethren that would come home from work and take their food into the back room, turn on the computer and play video games all hours of the night, get up and go tomorrow. And the kids were neglected, you know, so 
brothers out there, turn off the, the media when you get home. Be with the kids. Be with them. Don't be around them. Be with them. And uh, turn off all that stuff. And, you know, a lot of times it's good to turn a phone off. We, we have Monday nights where we have family. And I always did with, with our, our family growing up. I don't know. I, I can tell the one, one thing about Donna Murray. I, Donna Murray had a, a little boy. He was, what, five or six years old. And Eric was several years older. And they'd play together. In fact, Eric broke his arm by accident at one time. But anyhow, we were having family home evening. And uh, the lesson was the worth of a soul. But we asked Donna to to help us out on that. So she knocked on the door. And Eric used to, like I said, play with the little boy. Knocked on the door and came in and, and we, oh, hi, Donna, what's going on? And the kids were sitting on the couches. We're all together in the living room. And she goes, uh, you know, we can't have any more children. We go, yeah, we're sorry about that. She goes, well, we'd like to, to if we could, if we could buy Eric. What? Yeah, can we, can we buy Eric? And little Dustin didn't know. He goes, yeah, yeah, Eric, come and live with me. I want, mommy, I want Eric. So she threw down a few hundred dollars. We're going, oh, no. You know, and then she threw down some more money and, no, no. She threw down a lot of money. We're going, well, you know, a car payment, you know, it'd be pretty good, but uh, no, no, we can't. No. Yeah. Let's think about it. She actually cried. You know, she was a great actress. Oh, this, I want Eric. They they walked out the door. This was legit. It is legit. And the girls sat on the couch and everybody was super quiet and they started whimpering a little bit. Well, that, that's because matter? you you and mom were considering it, and you're like, you know what, Donna? Yeah. Let's discuss this. Let us discuss. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Let us discuss this. And I was just like, let us think about it. What? <laughs> a couple minutes later, she knocked the door and came back in, and uh, there, you know, the kids were tearing up and crying, and and uh, so we said, hey guys, the lesson tonight is the worth of a soul. There's not any money in the world that would ever let us sell a child and heavenly father feels that way about us. But we wanted our kids to know that there's nothing in the world that we would trade for one of our children. And that's the way you have to be with your kids. They have to know that you care. They have to know that you love them. You need to take them out on a one-on-one. Eric's got six children in the house. So one-on-one <laughs> takes a long well, time to it. get through that. It yeah. does, but we do it. We do it. So yeah. It does. They absolutely. And I felt that I knew that even though I believed for a split second that you guys might sell me because you're like, well, we'd be able to see you every week. <laughs> like, wait, what? No. But that was a great lesson. It scared the bejeebies out of me and my sisters. I think we all cried at one point or another, but it really drove the point home that the worth of a soul and how much we really did love each other, even if we were bickering and fighting. Uh, but to, to have your kids understand and know how much you love them and that there's nothing in the world you trade for them is the most important thing you can do. So, and they, you got to admit they were nice to you for a few days. Yeah. I'm going to try a couple minutes. And so that's, I don't know. I wonder if Krista had conceived her, she put off the murder. Her, yeah. The, yeah the that, murder maybe that's why she days. didn't murder me. That was it. That was the, that was the breaking point. So, yeah. well, dad, I appreciate you uh, coming on to the, to our podcast and doing this interview with me. And uh, I love you. And I truly am grateful dad for, for everything you did growing up, for the confidence you instilled in me. I had no doubt at any point in my life that you loved me, that you'd sacrifice your life for me. And uh, that's truly helped make me who I am today. And uh, I want to applaud you for choosing uh, mom as your wife too. 
for, for loving her. So I appreciate you. And guys, until next time, remember we are rad by choice and not by chance. Thank you for listening to the Rad Dad Secrets Podcast. Subscribe now to never miss another episode or opportunity to become a better father, husband, and man. Also, be sure to join our Totally Rad Dads private Facebook group for constant support and tips on being the best dad possible. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review. It helps us immensely on iTunes. And remember, we are Rad Dads by choice, not by chance.